0: As Pastor John mentioned, we are starting our ethos communities next week. For those of you from different churches kind of wonder what that is, well, it's kind of like small groups but a little bit bigger. It's kind of like those of you from house churches, kind of like a house church but a little bit different. For those of you who have missional communities in your past church, it's kind of like that but a little bit different. We're going to get together we're going to pray, discuss God's word, fellowship, and go out on mission. Individually incorporates It's what we're going to be doing starting next week. So I encourage you, everybody in here to jump into that. But for this morning, I want to introduce you to a couple of our leaders. So James and Alicia Mosley can come on up. They're going to be leading one of our groups. And I just want to introduce you to them as there are several leaders, so we have eight groups meeting in different parts of the city. And a couple of questions I want to ask you. Basically, I just want to ask each of you one question, and, and that is, what, what are you excited about in ethos communities? Or what are you excited about leading an ethos community?
1: Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, I'm very excited about the community, in ethos community. So traditionally in small, group, small groups, six to ten people were able to share with each other, love each other, encourage each other, sharpen each other, rebuke each other. And now with the ethos communities, we're trying to get larger groups, 15 plus people. And so now we have more people to love and serve. And then with our larger critical mass, now we can more effectively, I think, move out into our communities, into our homes, and we'll be doing service projects, churches, nursing homes, whatever. And I'm thrilled about that, and I just wanted to share a quick scripture that I think embodies this. This is First John three eleven, and then 16, it says, For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. By this we know love, and he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's good and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. And with these communities, we can love and serve each other and our communities. And, and that's amazing. Um,
0: we did a lot of reading this summer in preparation for leading these groups. All the leaders did. And a lot of the reading... Um, was helping us to develop a perspective on, of understanding God's mission or purpose um, all throughout the Bible. And I'm excited about, I guess, further examining and understanding God's purposes for us and challenging others and being challenged by others to align my life purposes with God's purposes for us and the world. Um, and then doing that all in the context of community, as James mentioned. That's great. Uh, yeah. I'm going to give you an opportunity right now. This is your chance to plug your group. Like, when do you
1: meet? Where do you meet? What time? This is your opportunity to do your thing, all right? Well, everyone. We're meeting on Thursday nights at 7. We're going to have a rockin' group. And I say rockin' because we've got Myrick and Jerry Bogats, both lead guitarists. So it'll be a real quick group, as well as Elena and Alicia. All four of us, uh, Elena, Myrick, myself, and Alicia will be leading the group in the group please come to our group as well as any of the other ones. So it meets on Thursday night? Thursday nights at 7 o'clock. In what part of Evanston? We're in South Evanston. Uh, it's what, ten oh eight. Uh, what's that? Wesley. Wesley, Wesley, right, at Jerry Bogut's house. Thanks, guys, appreciate you.
0: Now, I know some of you are thinking that you're, you're overwhelmed with your life, you're extremely busy, and there's no way you can add one more thing to your life. But I do wonder, what if you could add one more thing to your life that would make you more effective for the kingdom, more effective on mission, and everything else you do. And that's what we're saying that the ethos communities are that that one more thing in your life will spur you to be on gospel mission and every single thing you do to bring glory to God and every single thing you do. That's that's kind of part of what we're hoping for, and it, and it's part of what I want to talk about today because what we typically do on Sunday mornings is we go through books of the Bible, um, verse by verse, through the whole thing. Last week we finished First John. And next week, I keep saying, we're going we're gonna to start many of your, your, your favorite book. We're going to start the book of Malachi. Yeah, isn't that awesome? But it's going to be good. But I have, this, I have this free week because the students aren't back yet. I know some of the students are back. I see some, some of you trickling in here. But they're, uh, the students from Northwestern are not back yet. And so we kind of have this free week. We don't want to start Malachi just yet. We'll wait till next week. And so this morning, I thought, hey, I want to talk about God's mission. And we could talk, uh, use a lot of verses in the Bible about that. So this is going to be more of choosing a text and talking about God's mission from this text. And so it's going to be the book of Ephesians. Turn to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. It's in the New Testament. If you can't find it, look on someone next to you. Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to start with verse 7. I just want to read it to you. Ephesians 1, 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Amen. It's interesting that a lot of you just moved here. You did. You you, you just moved here. You moved here from different states, different parts of the world and you moved here because that's part of your plan. It's part of your, your, your goal in life. And, and many of you have visions and dreams and plans and goals for your life. And some of you are, are like really impressive because you actually have a, a whole one-year plan. <laughs> it's a big deal. And then some of you have three-year plans. And the more adventurous, ten. 15, you're still living 20, 30. You have these grand plans. And, and you know, I'm not going to be the mean preacher this morning that's just going to totally ruin your life and tell you how you're such a fool and all your plans. I'm not going to do that, all right? That's a sermon for another Sunday. But right now, I'm not going to have you throw away your plans. But what, what, I, what I am going to ask you to do, my intent is to try to get you to, to think through your goals and plans and get caught up in something bigger that's going on. Get, get caught up in something called the mission of God. To not set aside your goals and plans, but to be deliberate and purposeful, intentional and in letting the mission of God shape you as a person and shape everything you do. And that's why we're looking at Ephesians this morning, because what the apostle Paul does here. He's the writer and he starts this book on a high note of prayer and praise centered on the mission of God. It's a very long prayer. It starts in verse three and it goes all the way to verse 14. And, and what he's doing here, he's praising God for all the spiritual blessings that believers have in Jesus Christ. And as some of these blessings occurred for before the creation of the world, before the foundation of the world, like predestination, election to adoption as children. Some of these blessings occurred in time through the redemptive work of Jesus Christ upon the cross. And some of these blessings are projected into the future when all things will be united perfectly under the headship of Christ. But throughout it all, before time, in time, through time, at the end of time, What God is doing is his mission, and that basically is this. It's his overarching plan, his all-encompassing mission to reconcile the world to himself through Jesus Christ. That's his goal. That's his mission, to reconcile the world to himself through Jesus Christ. Now, if God is on mission, and, and that is his goal, to reconcile the world to himself through Jesus, The question I have for you this morning is what does it look like for us to be caught up into God's mission? If that is what God is doing and he's calling us on his mission, his intent, his purpose, his will, what does it look like for us in our everyday lives, not setting aside our goals and dreams, but what does it look like to get caught up in what he's doing on this earth to reconcile this world to Jesus Christ? And that's what we're going to do. We're going to kind of go through these few verses and we're going to see how can we get caught up in what God is doing. So we're going to start off by looking at the big picture. Start off with the world's greatest problem and the world's only solution. So let's look in the, jump in the middle of this prayer. Look at verse 7. It says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. This verse is talking about Redemption. Speaks about redemption because the greatest human problem is slavery to sin. When Jesus was walking this earth in John 8 34, he spoke about this. He said, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits a sin is a slave to sin. So if the greatest human problem is slavery to sin, we see that the greatest Solution is redemption, and in these terminologies, slavery to sin and redemption comes, uh, comes from the context of the time where it spoke about a slave being in bondage to a master, and the way that slave was released was through a price. Now, the spiritual reality is that all human beings at one time or another are slaves to sin, and they need to be redeemed through the finished work of Christ. Those of you who are Christians have experienced this redemption. But Let me ask you something. The school you go to, the university that you're enrolled in, the place where you were trained to be educated to do your job, chances are they missed the world's greatest problem and the world's only solution. So I just want you to know that was money well spent, all right? Good job. That's great. Can you believe that? They they totally missed it. Like, if you ask your professor, what's the world's greatest problem? You know, don't you wonder what he would say? Or What would she would say? There's this uh, speaker, uh, author, uh, his name is Vodi Bakum, and he gives a likely scenario, and I'm kind of going to interject his scenario on what a professor or someone at your job may say about the world's greatest problem. So here it goes. So if you go at your professor, or you go at your job, or whatever, and you say, okay, what is wrong with this world? What's wrong with this world? And they may say this. People are either insufficiently educated or they are insufficiently governed. So the the number one problem with this world is that there's not enough education, we're not teaching people enough, or they just don't know enough, or the problem is people just aren't watched enough. And so what's the solution to the world's greatest problem? More education more government. I'm not, not dogging education, not dogging government. But I think a better question, Bauckham says, that we need to ask is this. How on earth can a holy and righteous God s- see what you did yesterday and not kill you in your sleep last night? That's, that's a better question. Because until we're asking that question, the problem continually lies out there. But the reality is, slavery to sin is the main problem. And the Apostle Paul knows that. That's what the Bible is teaching. And that's why we have this idea here of in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Jesus Christ paid that redemptive price on the cross and ransomed us from the bondage of sin because the father requires sacrifice for sin and the son paid the penalty for sin through his blood and died on the cross to redeem us from sin and all who repent all who believe are forgiven in the finished work of Jesus Christ that's grace so what we need to do is say look I acknowledge my problem is slavery to sin and then I get the grace solution through the finished work of Jesus Christ. So if that is, which I believe the world's greatest problem is slavery to sin, the only solution is redemption in Jesus Christ, I believe that's the case. How do we interact with a world who fundamentally disagrees with us? How do you go to your job tomorrow morning when people fundamentally disagree with you? How do you start school in the next, I don't know, eight days when your classmates or teacher fundamentally disagree with you, they don't see that as the world's greatest problem. They don't see Jesus as the only solution. How, how, how are you going to navigate that? How do, can you communicate that? I mean, do you, maybe, maybe you'll, you'll be in one of those schools where you get to get up and give a, a class project of a gospel presentation, right? That sounds like your school, right? You can get up and give a class project, PowerPoint, gospel presentation, Not likely. You're not likely going to be able to go to, to work tomorrow and give a, a, class, a, a presentation in your boardroom or your cubicle or wherever you're at, right? Not likely. Now, of course, we, we want to share the gospel in between classes. We want to share the, the gospel on our lunch breaks. We want to share the gospel uh, after work, before work. But how can you do your job? How can you work? With the reality that you have been redeemed through Jesus through His blood, and how can you live on God's mission as you do your work? When you can't give the big presentation, and I think the answer is, you've got to bring attention to your redeemer. And I was reading this guy, John Piper, many of you know him he's a pastor. He gives three helpful ways to go about your work or your school that will bring attention to Christ. I want to share these with you. These are, these are, this is, these are money quotes right here. This is good stuff. Uh, first thing he says is this, for all of you who work. Number one, seek to do your work in such a way that Christ looks more important than your work. Like, uh, it puts your work into perspective, Right? Like when things go way down, it doesn't doesn't destroy you. When things go way up, you don't go so way up with them. You you get it all in perspective because Christ looks more important than your work. The second thing, this is good. Seek to make and use money in such a way that Christ looks more important than money. Seek to make and use money in such a way that Christ looks more important than money. This will show in your work. It really will. It will show. It will stand out. I mean, when you're when you're um your your, your worker, he's 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 rolling in a beamer, and you're rolling in a junker. And there's got is there a reason why you're rolling in the junker? Because we make the same amount of money. Seek to make and use money in such a way where Christ looks more important. I, I was watching this video this this past week. Uh, of this family they were in Africa and they were uh, adopting and they had a beach ball and I'm like why do you have a beach ball and he goes yeah we brought this beach ball with us because we were going to put a pool in and God said no you're not gonna put a pool in you're gonna adopt three children with that money so they brought the beach ball with them to Africa say here's our pool seek and use money in such a way where Christ looks more valuable than money the third thing, seek to have a relationship at work where Christ looks more important than those relationships. Ooh, this is a good one. Seek to have relationships at work where Christ looks more important than those relationships. Now, Piper says that doesn't mean that relationships go down in importance. They actually go up. Because when you go to work, you're not trying to get something from someone else. You're not seeking their approval. You're not totally crushed by them. It puts the relationship in perspective. You get your your power, your joy from Christ. And so you're able to love those you work with. So this missional focus on what God is doing in the world through Christ it can show up at your work because you are valuing Christ. You're valuing your Redeemer more than money, more than your job, and more than relationships. That will show. Let's keep moving on. We've got this reconciliation, redemption in Christ. Let's look at verse 8 and 9. Which he lavished upon us, this is his grace, and all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. So this is God's grace. It's an enabling grace. And you see here in verse 8 that it empowers us to have wisdom and insight into God and his ways. God wants us to know him, he wants us to know his will, he wants us to know his plan, he wants us to know what he is doing, he wants us to know his mission. Look again at verse 9. Making known to us the mystery of his will, his plan, his mission, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. So this mystery that was once obscured or not totally revealed in the Old Testament is God's all-encompassing mission to reconcile the world to himself through Jesus. And we're going to get to that in a moment. But I want you to make sure that you get verse 9, the very beginning. Making known to us God's desire is to be known. I mean, how, how do you even know him? It's because he revealed himself to you, right? He, he made himself known to you. He made his plan known to you. He made his gospel known to you, you would never know God unless he revealed himself to you and, and he said he made himself known to us and if it's God's plan for humans to know him don't you think it should be our plan to make him known don't you think it should be our plan to make him known his gospel in Jesus Christ No, if that's his desire to be known it should be our desire to make him known And I believe we do this by using our words through gospel sharing, gospel proclamation. And I want to make sure you're tracking with me here because this is where our church can go off the deep end. Right here. It's right here. We could totally miss this making him known because what we're doing this uh, next week, starting these ethos communities, and what's going to be new about these is we're going to be on mission both individually and corporately. And if we're not careful, we can think, ah, mission leaves out gospel sharing, gospel proclamation. And, and, and if we leave out gospel sharing and gospel proclamation, we can be a nice little club that helps people, and that's really nice. You see, each of these groups are going to choose something they're going to do as a group. And some groups may choose to do something like a philosopher's cafe where they're engaging people into ideas. But some groups may choose to help people with their physical needs. Maybe they'll choose to help the homeless. Maybe they'll choose to help senior citizens who are in need. Maybe they'll work with orphans. Maybe they'll help people who are hungry and have illnesses and and disabilities. But if you are not careful, you can think, because I am doing these things, I'm helping people with their physical needs, I am on God's mission. But if you're helping people with their physical needs alone, with no intent... Like, no intent of gospel sharing are you on mission. And I would say your mission is deficient. Because God's desire is to make himself known. And the way that he makes himself known through us is through proclaiming, sharing the good news. And if we decide we want to help with physical needs, but no share, zip our lips, mission is deficient at the sixth month mark of the disaster in haiti the earthquake i was watching cnn and um, sean penn the actor was on there being interviewed by anderson cooper and what was very interesting so impressed sean penn i don't know if you know who he is he's been there in haiti pretty much since the earthquake i mean he looked he looked he looked terrible Like he hadn't slept in six months. He's been feeding people. He has an organization They're pumping in millions. They're building these tents. They're taking care of medical needs. And he's doing a lot of great things. But I want to ask you the question, is Sean Penn on God's mission of making him known? Or or take this past week, another uh, actress, Angelina Jolie, She's in Pakistan. Remember all the flooding there? So she's trying to bring attention to what's going on in Pakistan. And she's actually called the United Nations Goodwill Ambassador. She's saying, we need money over here. We need help. And, and she travels around the world and she does a lot of good in helping those who are poor, helping those who are suffering, helping those who are in need. But are Penn and Jolie, are they on God's mission? I would say there are two people who are creating, created in the image of God and being created in the image of God as a human being that can lead to compassion for others but I would say that Penn and Julie are not on God's mission of making him known because both of them to my knowledge have no desire for Christ they have no witness for Christ they have no, they're not following Christ and they're certainly not proclaiming Christ so I would say no they're not on God's mission of making him known Once again, I want to give you a quote. I think it's very helpful. This is once again by John Piper. This is really good. He says, To feed, clothe, heal, house, and educate a person without a view to their being converted to Christ is not truly loving. Any more than giving a person painkillers for their fever when you could offer them antibiotics that would take the infection away. If we don't ultimately proclaim the gospel along with meeting physical needs, I would say that our mission is deficient. And the phrase that has helped me to keep this in perspective so much is, as as Alicia was mentioning, this summer we had our leaders uh, read a lot. We actually just had them read one book. It's not that much. Just, just this one book about that thick. It was over 500 pages long. It was by Christopher J.H. Wright called The Mission of God, and there's something he says in there that is so valuable. He says with regard to evangelism, we always want to make sure that evangelism is in the perspective of ultimacy. That helps me so much. We want to have the ultimacy of evangelism, which means when you go out to care for those with compassion, you don't have to start with evangelism, because when you go into Pakistan and they just had their their homes washed away they need rescue you don't want to say let me tell you the gospel really quick no they need physical rescue but later you can tell them about spiritual rescue it's the ultimacy of evangelism and i think if we live if we leave out gospel proclamation gospel sharing of making god known as it says in this text he wants to be made known if we failed to do that, we are deficient in our mission. And I don't want to create ethos communities that are all about good deeds which are great, but zipped lips. And you say, well, yeah, but I'm gonna preach this strong message with my actions. I get that. I understand what you mean. You definitely want to have that back it up. But sooner or later you have to open your mouth. They're not gonna see your good deeds and go, what? Oh, I must be a sinner. Oh, oh, I must need redemption in Jesus. I get it. No, they're not going to see that. through. No, but it's got to somehow go together. Deeds, proclamation. God's desire is to be made known. Which brings us to this last verse where we get the mystery of his will. We get his purpose, his mission. Look at verse 10. As a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and and things on earth. So, the mystery that has been revealed to us is that God has been administering a plan before time, through time, and will one day come to complete fruition in the future. So, the plan which is just now revealed to believers will one day be on this cosmic display for all to see and it says here at the fullness of time and the plan is this to unite all things in him to unite all things in him what does that mean so if you wouldn't mind I'm gonna just kinda do something I don't usually do I'm gonna verbally process this Process this with you right now while I speak, and then I'm going to try to explain it later. So let me just kind of process in my mind what's been going on with, with this. It's the high point here is this this verse. Um, one of my professors, uh, Howard Hendricks, down at Dallas Seminary, always said, "If there is a mist in the pulpit, there is a fog in the pew." All right, so I'm feeling kind of misty right now, and, and you're probably just covered in fog. But I'm going to try to kind of work through this, this idea. I, there's a guy um, I've been talking with through this verse this past week. He actually has these passages memorized in Greek, all right? So I got to go to him and, and hash some of this out. And I'm like, what does it mean? And we're like, whoa, what does this mean? We struggle. And I said, what does this word unite mean? And he says that means recapitulation. Yeah, that's, that's a hard word. I'd like, What does that mean? And, and we're trying to work this out. We were talking about it just on Friday. But the word unite could mean to, to sum up, um, to bring something to a main point, like when you finish up a speech and you're, you're, not, you're, you're bringing it to a main point or you're doing some math and you're getting all the numbers and they all come to this, this last uh, summation at the end. So that the idea could be that in Christ, things are starting to make sense. All the fragmented pieces are, are starting to make sense in relation to Jesus Christ. It all sums up in Christ. Well, the word unite could also have the idea of head up, as in um, which refers to Christ. He's been exalted to his position at the right hand of the Father and all things are in submission to him. He has authority over all. It could also have the meaning of renew, where things are, are put back together and made right in Christ. Now, as I was working through the meaning of this passage, you know, there's actually another passage in the Bible that says almost the same thing. I'm going to put it up for you, that Colossians 1 verse. Colossians 1, 19-20. I'm still processing here, so bear with me. Colossians 1. It says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him, here we go, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So here we have the idea of reconciled a very fragmented and broken world, and it's brought together and reconciled in Christ. So we have the meaning of sum up. We have this meaning of the head up, of renew, of reconcile. What's God doing here? What's his plan? And as I have a study in the scholars this week, they pretty much can all almost agree that whatever the specific it is here, it has something to do with cosmic reconciliation, cosmic reconciliation because it mentions in both the verses in Colossians and in Ephesians that it's talking about things in heaven and things on earth so because of the the conquest of Christ on the cross there is this cosmic reconciliation that's that's going to happen in the future Now, now that you're totally confused I'm done verbally processing let me try to explain this as best as I can in English somewhat so here we go here's God's plan when Christ comes back in the future, this is what's going to happen: everything that has ever been created, from people to trees to angels to everything, will be brought together and united under Christ. Let me give you this very impressive visual. Oh, here's my visual. Here's the way I picture it: at the top of my fingers, right here is the exalted Christ and everything here created talking about things in heaven things on earth, all will be united summed up uh, in the sense renewed reconciled under the headship and authority of the exalted Christ this does not mean that everybody is going to be saved it means at the end of the days Everyone will submit to Christ either in their salvation or their damnation. At the same time, angels and demons will both be in submission to Christ. The created order, the trees that die, they, they, they fall away. They have death and decay. One day there is going to be this renewal. There is going to be this set free from bondage. So in the future, there is going to be coming together, this summing up, this uniting together of all things in the perfect unity and harmony in Christ it's because the work of Christ on the cross has caused this, this cosmic reconciliation. But here's what amazes me. This, this reconciliation, this, this plan of God to reconcile the world to himself through Christ, it begins now. Like right now. We, we, live, we live it. And you're like, yeah, but I saw the trees die the other day. Things still die. We still get broken and things are still fragmented. But because of Christ's work on the cross, the reunification has begun. The brokenness and alienation has has is starting to move away. And you know where we can see this? And I would say, probably one of the only visible demonstrations of this is where? In the church. In the church. Because we are people who have been reconciled to the Father. We come humbly under submission to the Father through the Son. And get this. Not only are we reconciled to the Father... We're reconciled to one another. If you keep reading in Ephesians, you'll see Jews and Gentiles, hostile people, now reconciled to one another, all under the headship of Christ. So in the church, you start to see this invisible manifestation of what you're going to see cosmically in the future, which is amazing. But what impresses me about this, what impresses me about this mission of cosmic reconciliation is that God cares About everything and if God cares about everything in some sense with the right perspective so should we and what I think this means practically is we do not just preach the gospel and set aside earthly concerns I think we deal with someone's soul for them to be reconciled to the father but we also deal with them as a person who has real needs, real things going on. So we want to get caught up into God's mission and the details of life. Right? So let, me, let me kind of explain. Yesterday, our church voted in a, a new elder, Scott Ewan. It's awesome. Uh, so glad to have him on board. But Scott is a retired fireman, a retired firefighter, and he um, told this story about a week ago. He said one day he was out working on his garage, and maybe I got the story all wrong, but this is what sort of I think he fell off his garage. Shattered his heel. Now, that's bad if you're a firefighter. You don't want to have a shattered heel. And it's also bad because his garage was unfinished. So he said, The pastor came over and prayed for me, which was great, but the firefighters came over and built my garage. Now just for the record, I was not the pastor at the time. Because I would have prayed for him, and then I would have went and built his garage. No, I wouldn't have. I would be all spiritual. You know, just pray for you, see you later, let your garage fall over. But that tends to what we do. You know, we're like, let's get all spiritual on one another. I know you have physical needs, but it doesn't really matter. It's all going to burn. It doesn't matter. You know, we got—we got, we got to have the right perspective, right? Like, and and I, really, I really think that things are broken. But one day there's going to be no more brokenness. There's not going to be any more washed away homes in in Pakistan. There's not going to be any more crumbled homes in, in Haiti. And because a renewal is coming one day of all things, then I don't see why we can't preach the gospel and care for people in their physical needs. I really think we can love people that way. We can care for them. This past Wednesday, I went out with a friend in here. We went out sharing the gospel with um, some people. And we, we, were, we were talking to people, and we came to this one guy. We were sharing the gospel with him, and he, it was interesting. That I, God just totally brought us to him because in about 20 minutes, he told us, in 20 minutes, I'm about to have a meeting to find out if I've lost my financial provision for my education, his scholarship, which would be a big deal. I mean, for those of you who are on scholarship, how would you feel about losing your scholarship? And if you're about to have a meeting in 20 minutes to find out whether you lost your scholarship or not, what would you be thinking about? So we're sharing the gospel with him, and he's telling us this story about he's about to lose his scholarship. Now, shouldn't we have said, dude, it doesn't matter. Who cares? You need to walk with Jesus. You need to repent, which is true. You need to walk with Jesus. Don't worry about the scholarship. But no, 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 no. As we're sharing the gospel we're also saying, okay, look, we're concerned about this. And so we stopped, and we prayed for him. Lord, let him not lose his scholarship. Let him keep it. Let him keep going to school here. Because I think there's coming a time where there'll be complete revision for everyone. When there's total united under Christ, that's where we're heading. So I don't see why now, as believers, we can't preach the gospel... And at the same time, care about what's going on in people's lives, their provision. I mean, you know what I'm saying? We, we, we don't want to be totally uninterested and go, I don't care about your scholarship, I don't care about your garage, I don't care, none of it matters. I'm just telling you what's happening. You need to repent, be reconciled, which is true. But We're talking about this cosmic reconciliation that God cares about everything. And we should care. We should take the whole gospel to the whole person. So for those of you who've just moved here uh, within the last three months, getting ready to pursue some more of your goals, some more of your dreams, and for those of you who are in the midst of pursuing your dreams and your visions, I'm not trying to say set those aside, but there is something bigger going on here. There's something bigger going on. And I wanna encourage you to get caught up in what God is doing. He's been doing it through the election, predestination before the creation of the world, the redemptive work of Christ, during time and the future unification of all things in Christ get caught up in that what he's doing now in your own life and I think the best way to do that this may sound a little corny maybe you've heard it before but I think the best way to do it is for every single person here no joke if you're a believer every single person here should view yourself as a missionary no need to send out a support letter no need to raise money no need to go overseas unless you want to. But you are a missionary wherever you're at, in whatever context. You moms in here, you are on God's mission to see your children follow Jesus. Don't look at that time with your kids as like, man, if I could just get away from them, then I can go do God's mission. It me nuts. I'm changing this diaper for the 20th time today. I can just quit this stuff. I can get on God's mission. It's a plan. It's part of his plan. You want to build into them. And did you know, moms, you have the opportunity to reach other moms. I, I, I run by the lake and I run by these, these parks and there's, there's just moms playing out there with their kids. And, and what, if, what if I went over there and I said, hey, moms, what's going on? They'd be like, hey, creep, what's going on? but not for you, you're a mom, right? You're a mom, and you can just go over there, and you can just interact, and God's put you there. And I'm amazed by just the different jobs you have, and I don't even know if you see it, your jobs. Just, I was like, wow, I can't believe that you get to do that. I mean, at my job, a lot of time I'm just stuck in an office all day studying, but that's okay, it's my job, but some of you, like, there are two guys in our church. One works at Walmart, one works at Target, and you know what? Those guys work with the nations. Oh, you mean you don't have to travel around the world at all? You just got to go to work? You work with the nations. You share the gospel with the nations at your work. That's awesome. And I see some of the little kids in here, for, for those of you who are in school, when your mom and dad drops you off at school, you know what? You are entering your mission field. Like, you go there, you be the best student you can be? You glorify him and you share the gospel. We are all missionaries. And what we're going to do, is are going to get caught up in what God is doing, this reconciliation through Christ and bring glory to him as his sent people. Let's pray. what I just pray for those especially who just moved here as they're trying to get settled in want to see what you're calling them to do. They know the specific calling of their, their occupation or their school and they're just trying to see what is that, how does that play into this greater plan that you're doing and the people you're going to bring their way. Give them a vision and focus to be deliberate and purposeful. And for all of us, Lord, we go to our jobs and sometimes we just do it so mindlessly and we assume that what I'm doing at work has nothing to do. We feel like we have to go do a mission trip or do something at church for it to be uh, on your mission. But Lord, send us out as your sent people to make you known, to make this redemption in Christ known, to value Christ above all things, to make, make it known that there is a plan that's been set in place to bless the nations, a plan that's been set in place to reconcile sinners, sinners who are slaves to sin, to reconcile them, to the Father through Jesus. Lord, just open up our minds and our hearts to start to see these realities and do this work within us as a body corporally, as us as individuals and as families, to go out and walk in your mission, to be obedient and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus. Empower us now, fill us with your spirit now. In Christ's name. Amen.